0: Turning your Bibles to Genesis chapter 14 this morning, I want to brag on God, just so you guys know, we serve an awesome God, and uh, He is not disturbed this morning, He's not fearful, and He is not shook up. He is on the throne, He is King of kings, and He is Lord of lords today, and always has been and always will be. I... I know we have a lot of heavy hearts, but let me first say this. This week at Fellowship Baptist Church, through our Vacation Bible School, 61 kids came forward and gave their life to Christ. May our focus be on the right things. May we remember why we're here. I was, uh, one of the nights I was telling my class, one of the nights I was working in the altar room, and I had this little uh, girl that came there, and I'm, I'm telling her about Jesus, and I'm not sure if she's getting it or not, and when I got to the point of telling her how Jesus died on the cross for her sins, she sat there and wept, and and I mean, we, we've got this idea that, that, that they're not getting it, or how do you know, but let me tell you, we serve an amazing God, and for some of these kids that are pulled out uh, of this mess of this world, and I'm telling you, The darker the night, the brighter the light shines. There's a contrast, there's a difference. And we're sitting there saying because it's so dark outside that they're maybe getting it. And God's saying, wait a minute. Because they walk from the darkness and they step into the light, sometimes to them it's more obvious than it is to us. We ought to to be grateful for the fact that we have found the light. And I, I, I love the fact that we can sit here today And still preach about Jesus Christ. And tell the truth. And we have so much to be thankful for. I'm telling you, they can change the laws of this nation, but they'll never change the laws of God. Never. But I want to warn us tonight, and and this morning, and I want to preach on this. Because I'm I'm fearful, as God opens a new chapter for America, we have a massive role to play in this day and age. Just like Pastor Joe said with, with Esther, God said, I put you here for such a time as this. And I'm fearful that rather than us running to the altar, we'll run to the lobbies to stand around in groups and complain about it rather than running to God. We have options here. We can either step up to be the church or we could cower down and just sit there and raise the white flag like we're defeated. Let me tell you, church, we are not defeated. Amen. We have already won the battle. We're on the winning side. You know, I, I want you to know that we can quickly go from being the answer to being part of the problem just by our attitudes alone. Do you guys know that we, we can be part? And you say, hey, what they're doing is wrong. Let me tell you, if we have the wrong attitude. We are just, we're, we're wrong, too. We, we, we were called to be light and righteousness and difference, to be peculiar, to stand out. We sing the song Amazing Grace. You know what we say in there? I once was lost, but now I'm found. We sing the words, I was blind, <clears throat> but now I see. And a lot of times people get so frustrated and saying, what is going on around here? Do you know why we're different? Because we can see. I Don't turn there. I just want to read this for you in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4, and just so you have the right perspective of this. And the Bible says, "In whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them that which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine unto them." I, I, I don't know if you guys understand this or not. Our enemy is not anyone waving a flag, whether it's a Confederate flag or a, a rainbow flag, or they're not the enemy. Our enemy is not living in the White House in no capital or any that's not the enemy the bible says the god of this world who little g there is the enemy that we are to face and he's after all those people that we just mentioned and it's our job to go after those people and i know it's going to get quiet because we'd rather sit there and just stomp our feet and say this jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost we are christ-like our job is still to seek and to save that which is lost And as we see all these things unfolding around us and we get upset, Jesus comes back to us and says, let me remind you, that is why you are here. May all this be just a reminder of the wickedness of sin, but the greatness of our God. Satan is our enemy. He is after to diminish that light. He said that the, the, the light of the gospel should shine onto them. Because the, the darkness is trying to diminish them to, to help make them think that there is no hope. Well, let me tell you, we can either get mad and run from it, or we can, we can get convicted and run to it. And, and I'm going to explain that as I say or go through this. The further we get into this, just so you guys know, and I'm not, I am not, just so you guys know, I'm not going to preach a negative message this morning. As much as everybody would be like, oh, we're, we're down. Because of the simple fact that we've got to remember who we are. Jesus said this. Just remember this. Jesus said, and these things must come to pass. And he said to us, to the church, he said, that you soon be not shaken in mind. I already knew it. We already knew it. And a lot of times we sit there and go, oh my, and God says, do you remember when I said, here's the warning sign, warning sign, and I preached these series about the warning signs. And when they're going, oh my goodness, what in the world, all these things are falling apart. And God says, you know what? I knew that was coming. Because of the sin of the world and the curse that happened all the way from Genesis 2 and chapter 3. Or chapter 2 and chapter 3. But let me tell you why I'm saying all this. now you're not going to like this, but the worst is yet to come. The worst is yet to come. And just so you guys have your eyes open to this, the worst is not to come from, for you guys. But in all these other departments where we have junior churches and Sunday school classes going on, that's where the pain's gonna come. Because the thing is, we've been raised to know right from wrong. There is darkness and light, there's right and wrong, there's church and this, there's boys and girls, There's I mean, it's just, it's just so obvious to us. But in this next generation, It's going to be all around them. Every day and in every way, they're going to see it, see it, and see it. And it's going to be to the point where they grow up and they're going to be so confused because it's not just something on the outside. It's going to be drug next into the schools. It's going to be taught. It's going to be the same way that it was when it was creation versus evolution. Now it's going to be straight versus gay and everything else. Things are going to shift in that way. And I'm not saying that to be like, oh my, I'm saying that it's time for us to step up. I'm preaching today on being a soldier of the cross. Understanding our part in all of this. I'm saying this because I'm telling you that they need us. They need us. We are soldiers of the cross. Deliverers of hope. Light in the darkness. We're examples of Jesus Christ. We have truth. We must give it to those that don't. We must turn our frustration into action. But I want you to see what's going to make a difference. What will make the difference? Genesis chapter 14, I want to read this, almost this entire story. Starting verse 10. And the veil of, of Siddim was full of slime pits. And the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there. And they that remained there fled to the mountain. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. And they took Lot, Abraham's brother's son, and dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. And there came out one that had escaped and told Abraham, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, the brother of Eskel, the brother of Aner, were the confederate with Abraham. And Abraham, when Abraham heard that his brother was "...taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his house, three hundred and eighteen, and pursued them unto Dan, and divided himself against them. And he and his servants by night smote them, and pursued unto Hobab, Oba, which was on the left hand of Damascus. He brought back all the goods, and also again his brother Lot, and his goods, and the women, and also the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after the return of the slaughter of Almer. And the kings that were with him in the valley of Sheva and the kings of Dale. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine and the priest of the Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham, the Most High God, professor of heaven and earth. And blessed be Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand. And he gave them tithes of all. And the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the persons and take the goods thyself. And Abraham said unto the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the professor of heaven and earth, possessor of heaven and earth, that they may not take the thread, even a shoe latchet, and that they may not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have have made Abraham rich. Let's pray. Lord, as we get into this, I pray that our eyes will be opened, Lord, to what that form of action is that we ought to take. Lord, I know that you are in control. I know that you make no mistakes. I know that you love us, and I know that you love the people of this nation. And Lord, I know that they need us more than ever. But Lord, as we gather today in our church, Lord, I know that there is a lot of mixed emotions. But Lord, help us to focus on you. Help us to remember, Lord, that you're in control. Lord, help us to remember that we are the children of light. We pray this in your name. Amen. I get into this, and um, all of this reminds me of our situation. And I, I'd imagine as Abraham is there, and he gets the word back, if you guys were like me, and I, I'm not going to sit here, I, I don't want to be up here, and you guys think that this doesn't bother me. And I tell you, I was struck to my heart. I was, I was upset, but honestly, in a lot of ways, I sat there and thought, you know what? A lot of this is our own fault, and said, I don't want to hear that, but just, just, just hear me out. We, we, we were given blessing after blessing, but let me ask you as a church, what have we done with all of our blessings? How many times did we overstep opportunities and how many times did we not go up and stand and vote and different things that we had opportunities to do? And I looked at Abraham and I thought, man, if, if, if I was to look at this situation and Abraham knew this, the sin of this city and everything that he did. He knew the decisions that Lot made and everything that was going on. <clears throat> we know that the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was very similar to what we're seeing about here. You can imagine as they run in and say, Abraham, you won't believe what happened. They came in, they took them all, the king of Sodom, Lot, your, your, your nephew is taken, all these things are happening. You know what I would have said? I would have stepped back and said, here's the thing. I knew this was going to happen. It was his own fault. He made the choice. He made the decision. It's their problem. But they're in bondage. They've lost everything. There's nothing they could do. It is their own fault. Here's the thing. God looked down on them and said, I show grace. I show love. I show mercy. I love them in spite of the sin that they're in. It's only by the grace of God we're at where we're at. It is only by the love of God. It's not that we're any better. It's just the fact that somebody shined light in our direction. We came to the light and we met Jesus Christ. Lot knew better. But he would have stepped back and said, you know what? Serves them right. Let him deal with it. It's his own problem. Well, let, let me sh- to explain the situation, what's going on. For 12 years, the city of the West served the cities of the East. Making them pay tribute money. In the 12th year, they rebelled and said, we're not doing this anymore five kingdoms, including Sodom and Gomorrah, decided to fight back. They gather all five kingdoms together. They go there. They lost. They were put in bondage. Now, that's significant as we get through this because in our minds, I'm thinking, all right, if there's five kingdoms, they should have nailed it. They should have hammered it. It should have not have been a problem for them. But let me tell you what they were missing. It is a, there's a big problem when you go to war and you do not have God on your side. There, there's a big problem when we sit there and say that there is a problem. When we, we, we caught in bondage. How are we going to get out of it? You, God said very clearly, without me, you can do nothing. Amen. You'll never handle it with me, without me. Abraham's response in verse 14. And when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. Now, I don't know all the details, but this is what I do know. Five kingdoms divided together to do this. I don't know how many men that was, but I guarantee it was a lot of people. Abraham, not exactly a military man, steps up, 318 guys in his own house, goes in there, rescues them all, all their women, all their children, all their possessions, all their animals, goes in there at night, puts them all, chases them out, brings them back. I'll tell you right there, that's an incredible victory. None of that would have been possible without God being on their side. Verse 16, and he brought back all the goods. And all the people. And goes further and says in verse 15 that he smote them and pursued them and chased them into another city. I believe that this example of seeing the mess that they got in God was saying the attitude of the local church is the same thing that the attitude of the the uh, Abraham and them ought to be simultaneous. It should be the same thing. We look at them and we say what a mess there's going to be people there and God says yes. I've called you to that, know the truth, to rise up and to go after them because they need what you've got. It's even more obvious today. Let me show you how we make a difference. Number one, you guys please take this to heart. We must start with the right attitude. Let me point out, Abraham was not condoning their sin. And it's, it's weird how we get this idea that when we start sitting there saying that we need to go after America, we need to go after them, that some people step back and say, yeah, but what they're doing is wrong. Can I remind you that Jesus Christ died for us and while we were yet sinners, he, he died for the ungodly? Can I remind you that it's amazing grace because we got what we did not deserve? Let me tell you, we cannot change where we stand as a church. We cannot alter what the Bible has said. We stand upon truth because it was God that said it, not that we that made it up. And you say, it's going to get more difficult. Let me tell you, right from the beginning, it is going to get more difficult. But our stance as a church cannot change. And as it's changing around the world, and they say different groups are coming together, and different denominations are coming together to vote... There is no vote to be done. God has already said it, and it is done. The decision has been made by God. And I do fear. Let me say, I do fear. If you're here today, I love you with all of my heart. But the reason we gather together in a place called the church is because you're called out, which means we ought to be different. And for Christians that say that we are different, and we still there and look at there and say, hey, maybe we've got this wrong. It's not us to decide. And it is so drastically important that we take a stand on what is right. Take a stand on it. And I've seen Christians that sit there and put up on their Facebook page and color this and hang the flag and say that we have to have tolerance. I'll tell you, we can love the sinner, but we still have to stand against the sin. That cannot change. But just because we get up there and preach about how, how we're going to stand against the sin does not change our perspective of the sinner. There should have been just as many amens on that. That's the concern that I have because we will allow bitterness to come in and we'll turn our back and let me tell you, we can be used by the devil when we should be used by God. We could sit there and get so disgusted by what we see that we just turn our back and run the other way and we turn into a little holy huddle. We don't need a holy huddle. We need an army of God to go after them. We sit there and gets so frustrated. I know it's not just this. Who's who's next to be president? Outsourcing, unemployment, housing market, Obamacare, all these different hot topics, and I'm I'm not sitting here pushing one way or the other. That's not my point. My point is, let me ask you, what's your attitude about all of this? It's only going to get worse, and the Bible has said that from the very beginning. But I know as it gets worse, that that's when we have to be there to show our love towards them. When we know that God is in control and God has everything under his hands, and God says to go out, but speak the truth, but never forget that the Bible says speak the truth in love. Who would want to be around us if all they have is hurt in their life and they have all this devastation in their life and all they see from us coming out of our lips or what we post on Facebook is negative, hateful, and spiteful? Say, take a stand. Yes, take a stand, but never forget that those people that are leaning that way and doing those things have a soul that will spend eternity somewhere. Abraham had to be focused on the right things. People in Sodom and Gomorrah were just more than a wayward nation, they were the mission that God had given them. I love America. I still love singing the songs. I still love the song, God Bless America. I still love waving the flag. I still love the 4th of July. I still love all those things. This is our home. But let me, let me remind you guys, if you are a believer here today, this is not just your home. This is your mission field. Do you get that? It's not just our home. It is our mission field. It is where God has placed us. It is the people that God has placed us to reach here. And our attitudes must be right. Number two, we must respond with a plan. Let's read verse 14. And Abraham heard his brother was taken captive, and he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued after them unto Dan. I love how the thing that, that he sat, and it's easy to sit there and go, oh my, not that we don't stand back and we don't talk, we don't get broken hearted. but he turned around and he gathered all of his, the people from his own house. You know what they were? The people that were like-minded, loved God, loved people, loved, loved the things of God, love righteousness, and they gathered together and he said, guys, you know what Lot did? Oh man, I can't believe that happened. Oh, he gives. I, I know, I know, but here's the thing, Lot needs the truth, the people need the truth. It's not just hearing the truth that they need to see. Let me point out that they saw actions. The Bible said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. There must be action coming from Christians being involved in our community regardless of the situation, the state, and the moral depravity of it. There still must be action coming from the church. Abraham immediately took action. This was not his gardeners. These were trained people the Bible explains. The Bible describes to me as we're reading this the local church. Let me walk you through this. Notice first of all that they were trained. <clears throat> Let me tell you guys. All the ones that are sitting here. If you were a believer. You know Jesus Christ is your personal savior. Say amen or raise your hand. Do something right now. Okay. Amen. You're testifying to me right now. Because you have raised your hand. You now need to know that you have a responsibility. It goes beyond sitting in a chair in church. It goes beyond just carrying a Bible. It goes beyond just arguing with people around the water cooler at work. You have a responsibility, but you must be trained to do the job. I loved it. This past week, we had Bible school. I think it was Tuesday, Wednesday. I had to go around. We had a lot of kids in here. And I went around and I said, I need as many people that know because we we had an influx uh, of kids. And we're about to have the invitation And I I need to know right off the bat, how many of you need to know how to lead a child to God? And man, one by one, hands going up all over the place. Let me tell you, every person here ought to know how to lead people to Christ. Every one of you need to know what is right and wrong. Because when things begin to fall apart, because their way is not the right way. And if it's not the right way, the Bible says they're building their house on sand. It's going to fall apart when the storm comes. Let me tell you, we can hear the rain coming in. It's not going to last. It's not going to fulfill, it's not going to bring them happiness, it's not going to work. But let me tell you, we've got to be trained as rescuers, not a social club. We ought to look at our our buses as a bunch of ambulances going out, search and rescue. We've got to look at our greeters in the doors, like like going into an ER. We've got to look at these rooms as ORs and, and operating rooms and getting ready to do the job. They are hurting, we must be trained and ready to do the job said there, that's not my job. No, if you raise your hand and you said, I'm a believer, then you are called. You are chosen. You have a job. You're an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Be trained. Be ready to do the work of God. I talked about how I'm worried about the next generation, but let me tell you this. We have an opportunity to turn it around. Every class, every Awana, every group, every every one of these kids. And you say, you can't make a difference. Yes, you can. One of the testimonies of somebody led led a child of the Lord. And this, this little girl is praying and she's bowed her head. And, and, and you say, how do you know she understands? This is where her, her prayer this past week. She said, Lord, I want you to come into my life. And you can stay as long as you want. Amen. You sit there and see what that is. That right there, that child crying out to the creator that designed that little girl is what's going to change her for the rest of her life. We've we've got to be ready to show them the truth to set them on a rock so when the storm comes they're not going to fall apart. They were trained. They they were armed. The Bible says that in Ephesians six seventeen. Let me make application. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You know why the Bible describes Christians in that way, guys? It's not a walk in the park. It's not just high-fiving each other in church and sitting there and talking and sharing posts on Facebook about, hey, this is right and here's a verse. No. The the, the Bible explains here that they were were armed with weapons ready to go. We have the word of truth that we're preaching here today. We hold the truth. Let 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 me tell you guys. What good... Is this going to do? If this is the sword of the spirit, unless we're, unless we're swinging it at the devil, what good is a sword? And for us to sit there and we put it under our arms and we have it on our nightstands and we sit there. And I tell you, unless we get this out there, it's not going to have the effect that it ought to. The Bible says, them that goeth forth bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again, bring in their sheaves with them. That's our job. They took the weapon that they had. They were armed. They were ready to go. Let me tell you, this is a big one. How in the world did Sodom and Gomorrah fight with all those other kingdoms and they fell apart and they were defeated? Let me show you the difference. When the 318 went out, they were united. They were united. We might not all agree on music style. You might not all agree on different activities and different events on this, but I can tell you this, we all agree that Jesus Christ is the only way. And until the church gets together on that and realizing that we are called to glorify Him, we are bought with a price, it's not about us and it's not about you. It's all about Him. We come together and say, I'll tell you what, we're all in on the mission. We're here shoulder to shoulder because we could sit there and argue all day long about non-essentials. Just so you guys know, the thing that usually divides churches are things that are not even found in Scripture. The things that most people split over, you can't even find a verse to back it up. It's the way that I feel or the way that I think or the way that I was brought up. The only thing that matters is the word of truth. So we do what we teach our kids. The B-I-B-L-E, I stand alone on the word of God. Standing firm on that. But I tell you guys, we have to be united we have to come together as, as the world is dividing, and they're causing all this division. We come together. We teach our kids. We come together to, to back each other up. We have to be united as we sit there. Every wedding that we have, we, we are lifting up what is right. Every activity that we have, and we sit there and say, we're going to reach children. We, we need to make an announcement that says, stop signing up. We have too many. Wouldn't that be a great problem to have? It cannot be the attitude that somebody else will do it or that's not my job. We've got to be united as we do this. And I love this. They were aggressive. They did not sit on their hands. They did not wait. They did not sit around waiting. They pursued after them. Why did we do what we did this past week? Guys, are you tired? I feel like a zombie right now. I- I'm telling you, I, I-, I love to preach. And I came in, I, I, I sat in my office, my two kids came in, I'm talking to them, I'm on my computer this morning. I turn around, both of them are sleeping on the floor. They both conked out in my office. It's exhausting. But let me tell you, I would not, I would not trade what we had this past week for nothing. Amen. Nothing. And it's awesome because the Bible says enough, some having compassion, making a difference. We have got to be aggressive about this. We have people on the outside and say, well, I just can't find a church that I agree and I can't find it. I don't know this. Or I quit serving because I got offended and so-and-so this. And I served five years ago and so-and-so came up and said, and then we quit. We quit, quit. This is where we come together. This is where we run. I love the fact that when David went before Goliath and all the army with their swords and their shields and their, 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 their king and everything was sitting on the side, David didn't just go to Goliath. The Bible says that David ran to Goliath. As passionate as they are about lighting up the White House, we need to be passionate about lifting up Jesus Christ. What happened to that? Sit there and we sit on our hands and say, that's a shame. I'll tell you what, I can't tear down, I I can't bust in and try to shut down everything they're doing, but I sure can lift up Jesus. That's what I can do. We've got to be aggressive about these things. I have already been meeting with the guys in these past couple of weeks and we've got these plans that we're reaching in the fall and I say, guys, we've got to bust the box. We've got to get out. We've got to go to them. We've got to find them As they fall over hurting. We've got to be there to pick them up, not stand over them and say, I told you so. They don't need a bunch of people telling them, I told you so. They need the truth. Everyone is equipped and designed by God to do something. I know not everybody can do everything and I know that, but I promise you, everybody here can do something. They had the right attitude. They had a plan. But the last thing is their focus was on Jesus Christ. Their goal was to glorify God. I know Abraham loved his family. And I know this wasn't about Lot. It definitely wasn't about the king of Sodom. It wasn't about all those. But I tell you, when he got to the end in verse 20, and Abraham blessed the most high God, which had delivered thine enemies into thy hand, what happened? The king of Sodom came out and he said, here's all of the blessings and here's this. And Abraham stood back and said, that's not my motive. I don't want you being able to say that you even gave me a latchet for my sandal. I don't want you saying anything. Everything I did, I did for the glory of God. Our entire perspective will change. As we walk through this world and we're so discouraged about everything and God turns around and says, look up, look up, look up. You do what you do for me. And there's going to be a time coming that we're going to get discouraged. We're going to focus off. We're going to get our attitudes off. Everything is going to get. We're going to turn around and say, what's the use? or What's the point? We do what we do for the glory of God. You can imagine being Lot. Just imagine. Lot knowing. Lot having the history. Lot knowing the heritage. Lot making that decision. You know the story. The Bible says that Lot pitched his, knit, uh, his tent towards Sodom. Slowly, little by little, you read the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible says that he was a resident. He's inside the walls. He got there after this this digression of sin and and dropping his guard and adapting the world. Cannot do that. He gets in there and that time comes where they go to war and they become in bondage and they're sitting in that cell. And I, I don't know who was around or if anybody could hear him, but you can imagine. Hey, do you think Abraham would come and rescue us? Can you imagine Lot speaking up, going, Why would he do that? Here's the thing Abraham warned me over and over again. Every time I got with Abraham, he was saying, Don't go there. Hey, what are you you doing now? How'd you drop your guard? Why did you do that? Lot would sit there and say, I tell you what, guys, we don't deserve Abraham to come in. We messed up. We did this to ourselves. Imagine late that night as they're hearing all this commotion at Abraham or the servants coming and knocking on going, Lot, it's time to go, buddy. It's time to go. What are you doing here? I I don't understand. We're way outnumbered. No, we've got God with us. Don't worry about that part, buddy. you're, You're okay. Opening the gate and pulling them out and running off and getting them out there. And they're saying, why? Why would you do this? Abraham, I'll 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 tell you the truth. We've messed up. We got ourselves in this situation. We've done this for all these years. We knew right from wrong. It was our fault. Why did you do this? Church, can I just simply say one word? It's called grace. For by grace are you saved and not of yourself. It is the gift of God. And how dare we accept the gift of grace and we're not willing to extend the same thing? The Bible says... Grace is you receiving something that you could never earn, you did not deserve, you did not merit. God gave it to you because God loves you. Let me tell you guys, we're ambassadors of the grace of God. Just like amazing grace. Just like what the Bible says in passage in verse 4 where it says that they, they are blinded. You know what you do to people that are blinded? You run into the darkness holding the light. They might not get why we do what we do, but I tell you, it's great at the end of it we can be like Abraham and say, it's all because of God. Are things changing? Like crazy. But Jesus said this, these things must come to pass. This generation in Thessalonians says, this generation... Will not pass till all these things become, uh, be fulfilled. We are that generation that is experiencing all these things happen. Do you know how cool it is? And you're saying, cool, wait, wait a minute, don't use those words. No, a blessing of God for God to say, church, you'll be the last voice. You might be the last teacher, you might be the last preacher, you might be the last choir, you might be the last bus drivers to ever hit the streets, to ever stand on a stage, and to ever proclaim truth. God has called us and saying, I'm not done, I'm almost close, but I want you guys to be the last voice. If we're the last voice, let's shout it out from the bottom of our hearts. Let's let's do the job that he's called us to do.